0: silver where we dig deep into the twists and turns of your life and career story where i coach a little and you reflect a little bit more and then we trade gifts in return for sharing your account and playing with my questions i play back the very best version of your story that i can for you to use to boost your own self-confidence to see yourself as never before and to share with those that you need to convince Welcome to Career Quicksilver. All right, today we welcome to Career Quicksilver, the Honorable Shalina Brown. Shalina, thank you so much for joining us. It's early in the morning in California where you are. It's a sunny afternoon here in France. Please feel very free to be welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Well we've got some fun stuff to do today. I'm very keen to get your career story and then to play and ask some questions and then of course at the end we're going to be feeding back the story in in the best way possible. So could we start with a kind of 10 minute or so version of your career story? Tell us how you got started, the big crossroads, the transitions and what you're most proud of.
1: All right, Um, so my career story is starts when I am a little girl I am in like the third or fourth grade someone comes in and they are a lawyer and I am intrigued and from that moment on I knew that I would be a lawyer like there was no question all ballerina stories everything was out the window I wanted to be a lawyer my mother tells me that she has no idea where I got this because there are no lawyers in the family but it's just what I wanted to do and that's what I did. I, I went for that. I, in high school, I planned for college. In college, I planned for law school and I did it. I made it there. Um, so I think my career story is boring in that I've always wanted to be a lawyer. I went to law school in Santa Clara County and I started as a public defender um, when I was 27 years old. I didn't even know what a public defender was. I knew that I wanted to help people I wanted to be in the courtroom running my mouth. I wanted to be standing up for the little guy. And who knew that there was a job that did exactly that? So it was my dream job. I didn't get it out of the gate. I applied for that job and they told me no. And I taped that letter that said no on my um, on my wall. And I worked as a receptionist. <laughs> and about, I'm going to say about Four, three to four months later, I got a call and they asked me would I come and work for the public defender's office. I cannot tell you how excited I was. I began packing my little receptionist things up and putting them in a box. I left that day and I started my dream job and that was representing uh, indigent clients. Um, it's, the be- it's the best job. It was... Um, Difficult because basically, you are representing people who don't want you to represent them. They want a real lawyer, even though public defenders are real lawyers, but you don't get paid by the individual that you represent. You get paid by the county. So they believe it's free representation and therefore not good representation. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, the best lawyers I have ever met in my life, and my career, are public defenders. They are dedicated to the people of the community, and I love that job. I mean, I was at the jail every Sunday night. I was in trial. I mean, it was grueling and often thankless, but I really loved it. Um, 15 years in, maybe about 12 years in, uh, there was a lawyer, an older white male, who asked me to approach, and he said, I thought I was in trouble because I was always, you know, saying things in court that maybe you shouldn't (laughs) say. And so he asked me to come up and I talked to him and he said, you know, I've been watching your career and I'm wondering if you um, would like to join the bench, like become a judge. And I thought, right, exactly. No, thank you. Um, One, I didn't think I could do it. There were only two black women judges that I'd ever seen. Um, And they were much older and they seemed to be so brilliant and wise and I didn't see myself in the role. So I just let it slide. I didn't I didn't try to do anything about it. I think maybe six months later, I was teaching a class at a church event and one of the women in the back came to me and she said, you know, when you were teaching that class, I just saw judge. I could see you as a judge. When you open your mouth, people want to listen to you. You have some sort of authority. I don't know, are you a judge? And you said you're a lawyer, but you thought about being a judge? And I thought, hmm, now that's interesting. Hmm. Um, So I started to pursue that avenue and um, I went to, I tried to be appointed and I failed. (laughs) The governor at the time, Governor uh, Schwarzenegger decided no. Um, So I was devastated, Um, but I had my, my dream job. So I kept working my job. And a year later, I tried again and Governor Brown, who was wiser, much more wise governor, appointed me to the bench. And so I've been a judge. This is my ninth year. So my career path is pretty straight, but I never thought I would be a judge, but I knew that I would be a lawyer. So that, that is the essence of it. Pretty, pretty straightforward.
0: Absolutely. Amazing determination from such a young age. Can you remember exactly what it was in that lawyer early on that inspired that determination?
1: I think it was what, uh, and I believe it was a woman, which was amazing because this is in the, the late 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is That she was saying that her job was to help people. And I thought I couldn't, you know, I didn't really put it together. I didn't know exactly what she did, but she said she helped people. And I remember after that, I began to, you know, in the olden days, you used to have encyclopedias in your home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I would look up lawyer or attorney in the encyclopedia. I would watch anything on TV that had to do with lawyers. Perry Mason, L.A. Law, you name it. Claire Hustable from the Hustable Show. Any lawyer. <laughs> I was fascinated and transfixed by that. Um, so it was just... So I don't even think I knew what being a lawyer was at that point. But I just began to seek it out and and study it. And I, And I was told by a counselor that uh, that was kind of hard. Maybe I should pick teacher or social worker because my mom was a social worker. My dad was a teacher. So she, you know, I think looking back on it I think she was trying to save me from disappointment. Mm-hmm. But at the time I was very upset with her because I thought, what kind of counselor are you? Discouraging me from, you know, my dream. But absolutely, you know.
0: Indeed. She was trying to get you to play in far too small a box, wasn't she?
1: She absolutely was. And I understand it now as an adult coming from, you know, where we were, you know, we lived on the uh, modest side of town. That's that is to say, you know, we the poor side, the black Mm -hmm. side of town. Mm -hmm. And I was not expected to go to college, let alone be a lawyer. And I think maybe she saw dreams dashed before. And she thought, you know, I'm a good student maybe she wants to help me do something that was in her words reasonable
0: Indeed. but
1: uh, I didn't I did not want to be reasonable. I wanted to be the lawyer. that's what I wanted.
0: Indeed. so you were not reasonable from a young age. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, tell me a little bit about when you were that little girl, maybe you were six, seven, eight, something like that. So beyond this quest that you had to, you know, find out everything there was to find out about lawyers, what else lit you up? What else was important to you in this, you know, family situation? Um, you know, mom's a social worker, dad's a teacher. Um, I think you've got siblings, but I, I can't remember. Tell me what was going on in your little mind and what got you so excited that you lost track of time.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So I have one sister and she's older. And um, what you know about my family by what they do, we get solid jobs with the government and we stick to it. Mm-hmm. My father, you know, he didn't start out as a teacher. He went back to school and he became a teacher. And that's what you do: you get a job and you stick to it. My mother uh, went back to college later in life, but she became a social. And that's what you do: you, you, my family, you serve. You select a job that has a good paycheck, good benefits. It's helping people. It's serving people. It's not exciting. There are no bonuses. That's what I thought about a career, right? I. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister's a social worker. And so I, you know, part of it is I always wanted to help people, always wanted to serve because that's what I saw as normal service. Um, but I also had this idea that things should be fair. You know, I'm always the, I was always the annoying kid in class. Oh, Susie didn't get, get a piece of paper or I just, I just wanted to always look out for the little guy and make sure that things were fair. That's always been a the theme. I hate bullies. I always hated You know, people being picked on or left out or not given, you know, not just fairness, like just Mm a general fairness. I always just felt like, well, why can't everybody have that? Or, you know, and it got me in trouble often because I, you know, wanted to be a lawyer with my parents and explain to them (laughs) and write briefs on why I should be able to stay out later because it was fair. I was responsible. Hear my argument. So just a kind of a sense of fairness has always been with me Mm. and service, yeah.
0: And interesting that you did have that slightly childish attitude towards it as well, where you were willing and able to use it to serve yourself as well as others. However generous you were, you were able to be a regular teenager and use it to try and get stuff that you knew very well you weren't going to get, right? Absolutely,
1: yeah. I thought it was a tool. I'm like, yes, this is a great tool. This is reasonable. This is straightforward. Of course, they will grant my request.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) wonderful naive logic, fantastic. I mean, obviously that sense of of wanting fairness and right and justice has shown up in all kinds of ways later on in your life and your career. Um, If you could describe that journey, you know, in terms of having that little childlike uh, approach to what fairness and and right was through to the work that you do today, how would you describe it?
1: Huh. I think childlike is absolutely a perfect description. I started the public defender's office thinking I would change the world mm. one client at, at a time. I was, I have to say, I was very... Uh, disillusioned after about a year in, you know, thinking that I'm going to be the one who, you know, the Perry Mason moment in court, and they will realize, you know, that my client is innocent and I am wonderful. And those moments are very far and few in between. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, you are doing good. You're doing good work. You're doing good for the community. But this is the system is very much difficult to work to work in. Um, you're overworked. You have too many clients, oftentimes, uh, at least back then. And you can only do so much. You can only get a judge to hear so much. And unfortunately, even as a judge, I feel the same way. I feel like, yes, I'm doing good work. I am helping people. I am administering justice. But at the same time, the laws are, are such that you can only do so much. So there is a... Um, a realization that my childhood dream of saving the world was not going to happen in this capacity. So I've come to realize that I will do what I can, but you're right. That childhood dream of saving everyone and making the system, you know, do what it should do. That, uh, is a dream unfulfilled.
0: At least partially sounds a little hard on yourself, but yeah, the absolute aim hasn't been achieved, even if, Um, it's been chipped away at all along the path.
1: And that is the point. You do your part and you do the best you can. And if you save one, if you can make a difference in one person's life each day, that's what you do. And uh, as a judge, I can do that much more than I could as a lawyer. As a lawyer, I was begging people to listen to me and and understand my point of view. And now I sit in that chair and I wield that, that authority where I can say, I'm going to do this because I choose to, and it's the right thing to do. So there is, yes, I certainly have a lot more power and authority in this position, um, but there you know, people think as a judge, you're all powerful and there are a lot of things you cannot do as a judge.
0: Yes, there there is a limit to your jurisdiction. Absolutely. If you look at the whole of your career and you think about what has been the greatest struggle for you, what would you tell me?
1: I would tell you, this has come up recently, I would tell you that uh, after last summer with the unrest and the uh, killing of George Floyd Mm -hmm. and really the spotlight being shown on the justice system here, I would have to tell you it is, um, while I very much am thankful for the position that I hold and I absolutely love what I do, there is a, um, when I look at the system and you look at the numbers and people of color are incarcerated at a greater rate and at a at a much longer rate than um, than white people, and you realize that you are part of that system. I mean, last year I had a real, real reckoning with what I am doing. Um, I'm doing the best that I can, but I am still a part of this system that is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, um, very unfair to people of color, and it is it, it hit me very hard last year. Um, We started the Equality and Social Justice Committee out of things that happened last summer. But it really made me think about my part in this system.
0: I can imagine. And that must be an ongoing questioning that will probably, sadly, never stop. I
1: think that's true. I think that we can make it better. Um, Even forming a committee like Equality and Social Justice where we focus on it is a good thing. Um, but it is a you know slow change, but at least we're moving towards it. Um, you know, which makes me think about what do I want to do in this next season of my career. What do I still want to do? This so it it definitely makes me think.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, that's as as you suggest, um, really the best we can hope for. You can't just step completely out of the system and expect it. to to carry on without great input from people who will stop and think. Tell us just a little bit before we close this part of it, uh, what's next for you? You're coming up to 10 years on the bench um, and I know you have plans for something else. Um, Are you able to share a little bit about what may be coming next?
1: Yes, I can. Um, And these are just hopes and dreams, right? Um, So I've written a book that I hope will be out in this year, uh, late this year. And um, I have been speaking, you know, publicly and I have been coaching on the side because part of me, even though I work in the system, there's still this part of me that wants to be unreasonable and not have a (laughs) nine to five job. I want to do something else. (laughs) So I said going in that I uh, would be a judge for 10 years and I'm, it went so fast, but I do, I want to, um, inspire people. I want to free people, people on a greater level, not just free them from jail, but free them from thinking that is limited and holding them back. So I do want to, um, want to publish my book. I want to speak and I want to coach, uh, people, especially women, um, to break free from, um, beliefs and things that are holding them back so that they can live the best life that you know that they can. So I'm still in the kind of fairness freedom business, but I don't want to do it uh, in a row any longer. So that is my hope that after 10 years I can transition myself uh, to do something much different, but not, but not really.
0: Indeed. Yeah. Keeping very similar themes. Okay. Shalina, that's wonderful. That's all we need for this part. So this is where we're going to pause. Okay. So thank you for your patience, Shalina. Let me introduce you to the world. What most people know about Shalina is that she has been a superior court judge for almost 10 years with an honorable career prior to that as a public defender her ascent has been rapid and distinctive, That she's highly decorated with awards, honors, and accolades, including congressional commendations. What most people know also is that she's a minister. She serves in a large ministry and supports a substantial group with her care and wisdom and teaching. Shalina's reputation is one of offering constant service, meeting other people's needs. And in a great majority, she does this by speaking up for others who don't have the voice to speak for themselves. She uses her gifts to support those less well-endowed and ensure they get what they truly deserve. She's in the constant pursuit of fairness. She also has a reputation as somebody who has a love of life, of learning, of others, of fun, of important stuff, out of seeing pretty much every angle. What most people don't know about Shalina is that service to others was an automatic thing for her. Coming from a family in which so much service was given and assumed, she picked on her career in the law from very early on, however naive and grasping the the beginning thinkings may have been. Another thing most people don't know is that she's never been reasonable. She threw off the shackles of convention and broke free very early on. And she did this by fighting to get herself beyond the cliches of solid, dependable, and ultimately unexciting careers that were the tradition in her family in order to create her own greater destiny. Shalina has a deep need for focus, not being distracted from the important stuff, not just getting caught up in the doing, but remembering the why and the being. Obviously, she has a deep need for justice, proper justice, fully understanding the nature of each and every person in front of her, criminal or not. And she has a need for authority, for presiding, and the power of doing good, along with understanding the danger of doing bad, and seeing the multiple gray areas between the two. Much of this is related to a need for choosing the path less traveled, the path of serving rather than just opting to make money. A need for bringing order to chaos, and a constant keeping in mind that stewardship is a responsibility at all times and all stages. There's something very powerful about Shalina. She has a compassion for all mankind, but is also able to see clear lines when it's needed between different cases and scenarios. She has a gratitude for all the blessings on her, her community and the greater world, along with empathy and connection. Not only is she exemplary, but she encourages others to grow and progress using the tools she has to hand and constantly evolving. There's something else about Shalina, that she has learned how to strike not only bits of a trial that are not right, but also the bad stuff in her life to make it constantly better. She's learned to see and analyze people, situations, ideas, and possibilities to create value and advantage and constant development. Her clients or colleagues, or, or just the people which she coexists with, are constantly amazed that she knows that the amount you give is the amount you will get back. And her word is, she realizes the power of the word, whether sitting on the bench or outside. It's no surprise that Shalina, in going through her life, whatever she does, she converts to not just doing, but service. She always accepts the call to contribute in her own unique way to the world and constantly multiplies those ways. And she still believes that she's going to change the world one person at a time. Here's what I know. If you're looking to work with someone who makes service a lifestyle, who is overflowing with generosity, who has wisdom to share in abundance, who will be looking from every angle to understand and see the good, who will ensure you get heard and achieve what you deserve in life, whatever the circumstances. You need to give Shalina a call.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I mean, there, there are just things that you said that
0: I'm like, how, did, how does she, how is she in my head like the. <laughs> That's the little magic game we play, but you make it so easy because you have such a, a beautiful and ambitious story to share, ambitious in all the right ways.
1: And see, I always think of my story as so boring. You want to be a lawyer, you were a lawyer. That was, you know, it's, to me, when I, when I say my story, it sounds so boring. <laughs> but when you say <laughs> my story, it just, it sounds wonderful.
0: Well, I'll carry your bags and introduce you at all those dinners that you speak at.
1: <laughs> I, you, you are, you're amazing. Thank you so much. I don't even know why I'm tearing up. It's, but, uh, well, it's kind of a tradition. Oh
0: um, no, yes. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah and sometimes sometimes i you know then re-empathize and it goes on and on but i'm i'm delighted you've teared up that's you know if if i've been able to touch you just a little bit at least with with feeding this back in in a way that is it's not exaggerated it's just pulling out everything you gave me and a little bit of research and knowing you a little bit beforehand has has been able to give me the means to crystallize this into a very beautiful and super impressive story that's impressive because of you,
1: not of me. It's wonderful. It's um thank
0: you for allowing me to uh to participate in this. Is I'm I'm just like, that's awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well Shalina, it's a pleasure. And I hope you will find use for it, um, sharing it amongst your your own community and 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 connections and and that it will somehow help you and spur you on to this next stage whenever it comes.
1: I believe that it is going to be so helpful and I'm so excited to share it. Thank you so very much.
0: You're awesome. It's a real pleasure, Shalina. Thank you. Thank you for coming along and playing.
1: Wonderful. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I do hope that today's story and the work we've done around it have inspired you in some way. If you would like to be a guest at some point in the future on this podcast, then please send me a message telling you why you think that would be a great idea. You can send that to claire at claireharbour.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks once again for listening and see you soon.